Yes, a round ear as normal people say it, not like Greek scholar medical people. Get the hell out of here with this garbage. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck a little less every day. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 79, recorded September, September, my goodness, 6th, mm-hmm. 2022. Day after my That's birthday. Nice. Day after this, my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank happy you. birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, 29 not, again? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, 41. I'm, 40. I'm yeah. Ah, dude, when did you, when did you break four decades? Um, I didn't, I didn't realize well, you were that I'm, close. I mean- Okay, math whiz. I'm 41, so well. Okay, derp de der. Yeah, but <laughs> goodness gracious, God, what a developer. Well, actually, well, actually, 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 would have been this time last year that I broke four decades. 366 days ago. Yeah, that's Don't exactly you know. right. Let me pull out. I didn't my even have to pull out a date library to figure that one Yikes. out. Yikes. <laughs> oh my God. Date library. It's just, I think every, <laughs> if you spent more than about six months in the software industry, you hate dates, times, time zones, <laughs> all of it. Have you, okay. Have you ever worked? I don't, I don't know. Um, like I don't, it's been now like many years since we've actually worked on the same project together. Mm. I, my, I'm just going to go out there on a limb, and I'm going to say if you are operating a server of any sort, any type of server, mm-hmm. it's in UTC, and everything that runs on it is in UTC. I mean, right? it damn like, well that's better obvious, be. right? Like it, I it have pre- damn well better be. <laughs> I I have pre- because of because of legacy reasons. And by the way, if if legacy is anything newer than about 1996 there's no excuse whatsoever but i have products that for legacy reasons um products and data centers that run in specific time zones yeah and it and i know this maddening. stuff that, and the stuff that you run i know is old, is newer than 1996 there's it is have some maddening dumbass decision making one mm-hmm. was one was built in 2015 and yeah. and yet it's 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 eastern time now in at the at the application layer, we store everything in proper date times in the database, and we store them in UTC. So we do the conversions ourselves. So the the oh, data God. inside the database no. is UTC. Oh my God! But like, but like the 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 RDBMS itself and its server are Eastern. You time. Are I have another so, one. Oh my gosh! You are so setting yourself up to screw up something monumentally. By doing it, no, that. I mean it. Oh no, God. it's no, no. I don't. I don't think so because there's there's very very little that actually depends on the time zone of the database server itself. Um, we've done a really good job at isolating what needs to be and understanding what breaks when it's not right and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a situation. Okay, so without going into too much detail, we had a situation a little while back where uh, we have another product that has to be in Pacific time because reasons. And uh, it does not store zone info in its timestamps in the database. So if you change, so for some reason, the time, the the zone setting of the database server gets changed, your dates get written differently because they don't store mm-hmm. the full like offsets and everything. And so um, there was a situation where, you know, wires got crossed and then things are either one or three or five or eight hours wrong and mm-hmm. I, just, mm-hmm. I, I just if you run a data center if you set up a server i don't care what it is if it's a 
if if it's a if it's a switch in your ha- in your basement, just, <laughs> just make it UTC, mm-hmm. or I will come and I will find you and I will slap you in the face. Uh, well, I mean, you're you're living proof of that. You've got to do these conversions of dates going in because the 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 date itself is on the on the on the database is wrong. And the thing is, yeah. like the way that these things interact too can get really janky because depending on yeah. what you're actually reading the date from and to, your system, the the base level operating system could be running in one time zone and then your your the application, in this case the database, can be in a different time zone. And depending on who in the flow of information is actually establishing the timestamp or, or establishing yeah. the date, you could end up with two complete, mm-hmm. and you don't always yeah. know, you know, well, is and think the of database it this, setting it or is the operating system setting it? And you could really screw yourself. But there's actually five different points, right? If you oh, really, bu- if you oh, really yeah. play it out, you right? really there's, play it out. Yeah. There's the database server. Uh-huh. There's the dates you store inside of your database. Mm-hmm. There's your application server, your application logic mm-hmm. then there's the time zone in which your web if it's an s like a, an spa separated by an api there's the time zone with which the actual front-end application is running right so you may have an east time zone database with utc dates in it your app servers are pacific time your application's trying to run in utc and then your user is in alaska mm-hmm. and so like you have to be so so i guess i guess it really a, I'm going to shoot on you. You ready for this? Oh, it yeah. shouldn't matter what the database server or what the application server are running in, right? Because when you are dealing with time zones, especially sending them between machines like the browser and your app server and your database server, you should store a full timestamp with the zone info. And then there's never any, if you have to convert the library, you'll do it. And there's no big deal, right? That that should be, mm-hmm. hand, should be handled for you automatically. Mm-hmm. Um where we re- and and the one that's in Eastern Time is is really not a problem, um, because for our application we store the full zone with offset in the database, and and when we like insert a new record, you know it's it's SQL Server, so it's like get UTC date or get UTC time, right? I forget what the exact call is that we're using, so that's all taken care. That's fine. Um, where it really hurts us is the app that runs in Pacific that does not store zone offsets yeah. and relies on the combination of dates from the browser, dates from the application and dates from the database. Then it, or zones, you know, times. I, you may be able to hear it in my voice, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm half weary because of this. Yes. Just thinking about this is, is. And, sh- and the landmines that are in front of you are just crazy. No, everything oh, in ridiculous. your, everything, everything that is a program or application soup to nuts, it is, all UTC all the time. They're there are all- exactly two time zones, right? There's whatever you show the user in their browser, mm-hmm. and there's UTC. <laughs> there does not exist anything else. There's local time for your user for display purpose only, mm-hmm. and then there is UTC. That's it. That's it. There are That's two, it. exactly. There are not 24 time zones in the world. There are two. <laughs> That's it. And the user, and anytime that you user input. You know, there's the user display of it and it's whatever time zone that user wants to see. And then there's the user input, which is, should in theory be going off of the same time zone that the user is displaying. So they're inputting in, in one time zone. And then as soon as they input it, you convert it. And he's like, okay, I'm in this time zone. Cause this is what the user's looking in. 
and I'm now going to convert this to UTC so that everything from the moment that piece of data hits your systems, you the first thing you do with it is convert it to UTC so that everything from that point out is UTC and you don't have to deal Done. with any of this crap. Like there is mm-hmm. no, and there's no reason to do anything else. None. Yeah. There is no good reason to do anything else. And I and mean, what, what if you're a though, sysadmin, I think what happens is there are lazy ass sysadmins and they go, yeah, but I'm managing this server. And when I look at the system logs, I want to see the system logs in my local time zone. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? Just run a secondary clock in your, you know, in your in your dashboard or in your calendar or something and just do the math in your freaking head. You know, like it's not that hard. I, I managed I actually, a team in India and, you know, once I, once you figure out the offset, like you've got it in your head, you don't need to think about it anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, so I, I, in my experience, it's actually not lazy sysadmins because I think they get as pissed off as I do. In my experience, it's when developers do system stuff. That's when this happens. Mm. Because the developers assume the developer, you know, the assumptions are made, right? There's not the care. They don't understand how at scale systems built with different time zones cause the, like, then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm used to thinking in Eastern time. I'm just going to write the thing. I don't have to care. It's whatever. In in the cases where it hurts me the most, it's because developers were over. And, and I'm not saying that a developer, I am a developer. Like, I'm a recovering software developer. Hi, my name is Chris. I have my, what, 15-year uh, token of of being off the wagon, right? Uh, (laughs) Like I can do system stuff, but I have done system stuff professionally in the past. And so I understand why it's so important on the IT side as well as just debug. Okay, so so where another, I didn't even think about this. Here's a reason why even if everything in your application, everything you do, you do the right thing, but maybe the system is in a different zone. Here's another hang up, logs. Mm-hmm. because what is generating the timestamp in the log entry on the file on the system, right? If I have to go to the system and look at the logs, what are those logs in? Those logs is that should local be. time or is that UTC? Well, that's it what I'm saying. Be. Like, I, I think a right? lot of people do it, I, I think. But I, if you're using a if you're using a library to spit out your logs, it may be automatically prepending the timestamp uh, and it may yeah. be using the server time. It's, I'm like, it's just, it's so, I have, did I ever tell you my, my three-part plan to ruin everybody's life? Uh, no, <laughs> but okay. this, <laughs> this is a very, That's this a- is a wildly unpopular opinion. <laughs> okay. I think I know the, fr- I don't know about the three parts. I think I know where you're going with the first part, but you know, you know, okay. okay. Go, go ahead. Let's, let's hear Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? You yeah, ready yeah, for this? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. uh, so the first thing I would do is I would abolish AM, PM. Everybody would use 24-hour clocks. No ambiguity, easy math. Everybody loves it. No big deal. It's, right? Second thing, all dates and times are written in ISO 8601 format. (laughs) That means, that means year, month, day. Day. Yeah. Big Endian in order. This American month, day, year, nonsense, and then comp- it, it, 8601, always, okay. always. Uh, <laughs> I like to can, like I, you know, we have fresh vegetables out of the garden. I like to can things uh, seasonally, mm-hmm. yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. At, usually mm-hmm. at the end of the summer in the fall. ISO 8601, there's never any confusion. No, it, and then the third thing is I would get rid of time zones completely. Everybody would use UTC. And if your local time, you know, Okay, East Coast, sun rises at, uh, what, sun rises at 
say 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. West Coast sunrises at noon. Okay, that's fine. Like, I, I, I it, it is so much. Think about booking flights. I've done this before, where I've I've messed up booking flights because, because like of the time oh, it's, zones. When yeah. it shows your departure and landing, it shows them both in local time. In local time, yeah. And so then I've gotten, I, you know, I've missed meetings because I got there too late or whatever. And it's just human error, right? Because I'm an idiot. Um, everything would be UTC. There would be no time zones. There would be one UTC. Everyone would use it everywhere all the time. It would simplify so much and it would avoid so many mistakes. But I think, especially normies, like techies at least get why I say the, the three-part plan normies they're like eh, 24 hour blah 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 they don't you know uh the 8601 thing they think oh yeah maybe but they're not really bought into it i lose everybody when i say get rid of time zones because like oh but then i'd be waking up at 11 a.m and i'm like yeah but the alternative is even dumber your music's bad and you should feel bad that's pretty much what you're what you're gonna get i think no i don't from from the average person i lose i've never had one person agree with me no, it's not always that. Normies, it's usually the time zone thing. They yeah. think the first two are unnecessary. I was going to say the, the last first two are actively revolt against. The first two are layups compared to the first. I mean, the first two are layups compared to that third one. Like I feel like you would, if you're going to lose anyone on anything, it's going to be that third one. Like who is going to who's going to say the yes normies. to that third one, but no to the first two? That doesn't make sense. I've had to that. Me. I have I have had that, but who, I lose what? every who's this maniac. So, and there, why are they are not two, institutionalized? There, so, I, so I lose all normies on the third one. Okay. Every normie rejects the third one outright. Um, a lot of normies will reject one or both of the first two. Nerds at least understand all three, and some of them even accept the first two. Once in a while, a techie will go with me on on point three. Um, but who goes but with like you on normies. point three? But who says yes to point three, no time zones, but no to 24-hour clocks and year-month-day written syntax? Like, who does that? AM, PM. AM, PM. Right. It's a comfort level thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This per I, I stand by what I said. This person is a maniac, and we should I, we should probably have this person institutionalized or at least assessed. I think maybe a potential we, sociopath. If we, you know, if we were still on Skype, we could do like the the landline bridge. We could do like a wellness call here on the air. <laughs> like call the local non emergency <laughs> line. Exactly. Yeah. Have a wellness checkup. <laughs> Jeez, my goodness, is this person okay? Are you okay? Blink once for yes, twice for no. <laughs> That's that that's that's bonkers. Um, yeah, it I, is bonkers, Phil. <laughs> but yes, there is only one right way to do time zone, and it's UTC. And then you only have a flag that indicates the time zone of the user, and then you just simply display that to them when they're in when they are when you're out. We well, you didn't even have to flag it. I mean, if you're talking about. If you're talking about web, like the browser does that. So well, sure, you don't I mean, even have whatever. To really I mean, whatever your input, whatever but, yeah. your input point du jour yeah. is. Although yep. even that I have a problem with because I, um, when I travel, I don't travel for really extended periods. I'd rather have my calendar stay in my local time zone because I generally, I go for a week or less. And so I try and keep my body on, on that local time zone. Yeah. So I keep everything, when I go to the West Coast, I keep everything East Coast because I know, you know, it keeps me in sync about you know where I'm at, what my family is doing, and yeah. when my normal meetings are. And so, I I think that that's a, 
I don't I let, like I let when the my, browser does it. My phone yeah, does it. I let, I let my system outlook my phone i let all that change to local but i usually i keep my watch uh eastern time mm. when i travel uh and i do the math uh when i when i need to use that but otherwise i let i let all the digital stuff change over i don't, right. I don't fight it mm. you know it was interesting so we're talking about time zones i um i long story short i i ordered a Grubhub for somebody in a different time zone recently oh cool um what happened? and i learned something about Grubhub. Well, oh my they gosh do you- the, they, 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 they dropped off the their translation. dinner at breakfast time, didn't they? No, but they, they do they do the translation actively. I, I don't know the right way to word this, but I can explain it really quickly. I'm in Eastern time. They were in Central time. I wanted something delivered at noon. And so I said, deliver this at noon. And it got there at 11 a.m. Because oh, they were an hour behind. Because they were an hour behind. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing that I feel like you've got to... If you're if you're dealing with if you're in a situation where you're dealing with potential time zone differentials like deliveries and stuff like that, you have to indicate is this your time zone or their time zone? You have to be you have to say that. Like if your inputs, this is I mean this yeah, is just UI UX stuff. Like, but I, like how? That. But how often is this happening for Grub? How often well, are people yeah, Grub hubbing across time zones? Like I understand yeah, why yeah. they're not complicating the UI with this, but since it's possible. I, I would like still appreciate a small little ET, you know, it could uh-huh. be like a subscript or something, some indication because then I, I'd contact support. I'm like, Hey, I'm Eastern. They're central. Like, what is, how is this going to work? And, and they said, Oh, the response wasn't very clear, but because essentially I got the either. idea. <laughs> essentially I got the idea that, yeah, it's going to arrive at 11 instead of noon, which I was actually counterintuitive for me. I thought I'm ordering it for noon they should tell the people there that they're going to get it at noon. And, mm-hmm. but no, you have to do so, uh, you know, lesson learned. Yeah. But see that contact the kind support of thing ahead you, of time. Yeah. And I mean, you could, you could take this load off of the user entirely by using some of that, uh, location magic you were just talking about. Uh, and okay. I know that I know the person who's issuing it. I know where you are. I know where, yeah. you know, like, you know, the browser knows where you're at, which time zone you're in. It knows your destination. It's got that. Mm-hmm. Why can't you? Oh, okay. This is this time zone. This is this other time zone. If different, then add additional things to the UI, you know, mm-hmm. do the calculation, show a confirmation or a little about tool, You know, a little tool warning, tip. tool tip, just something if, like that yeah. that says, hey, just if so you know. different, tool tip. Like you all don't have times to are in Eastern. And that would be it. That's yeah. just a little thing that says, hey, I, I see your crossing zones. Know that everything is your local time. Mm-hmm. Great. That, you know. Um, this, this My knowledge of how applications are developed and, and the underpinning of uh, you know, UI, UX and stuff like that has absolutely ruined me for conversations because, you know, I, I'm a gamer. So I follow games and I follow development of them and, and, and things like that, especially like subscription-based games where they have updates and patches and things like that. And if that if that developer makes the mistake of coming on and explaining why they're doing something or not doing something, they darn well better include proper programmatic justification <laughs> yeah. for why they're not doing it because I can smell that bullshit coming from yeah. a mile away. <laughs> yeah. You just don't want to do this is what... Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, this is actually not hard at all. You don't want to do this and you're yeah. lying right now. <laughs> lying liar who lies that's right <laughs> big fat long nose fire pants hey this guy's a great big phony you know i actually it's not a time zone uh it's not a time zone 
library, but I did actually, I made a, uh, I made a date library that did uh, fiscal calendar calculations. That's another one that's really fun because a fiscal calendar does not have to match the actual calendar. And I ran into the situation where, okay, I want to understand, you know, where we're at inside of a fiscal calendar. And, you know, is it the first quarter? Is it the second quarter? Is the, yeah. And so was I, I got to, I got to ask, was there like calculating business days between two dates involved as well? It, it was, yeah. Business days. Yeah. And, yeah that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and understanding my condolences when the year ends versus when the year starts and comparing. Have you, okay, have you recovered versus- yet from your uh, inevitable follow on addiction? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would be my follow on addiction to this in this case? Uh, something to cure your mental anguish from having to build that library. <laughs> I, assume. I, I see. I see. No, actually it was, uh, I started out at a couple with a couple basic things. And then once I, I, you know, I was doing some basic mathematical adjustments. And then I realized, oh, well, there's a whole suite. I could just break this out into a whole bunch of different uh-huh. things. And so I ended up writing this whole library. I called it Fiscally. It's for Ruby. And uh, it does it does all kinds of computations around fiscal calendar calculations. So um, it's just handy math stuffs for, for dates that, uh, you know, that one wasn't too bad. I actually found the fiscal calendar stuff to be more mentally digestible than time zones. I find time zones to be a royal pain in the butt. Um, I think it's because time, uh, because time and time zones are actually, it's a circle versus dates, which is completely linear. Um, I think that that's, I think that's why it, it, it gives me more. I did back in the day. I, I was dumb enough. Now this was like uh, 2005. So it was still kind of a new thing, but it was still dumb. I did a, I did a library just to show like a pretty date, you know, one mm-hmm. second ago, five minutes ago, that, oh, that yeah, sort those of thing. Are, those are cool. I like I, those. Yeah. I, you know, at, for, for little, you know, uh, I was, you know, I had, I had long hair at the time, right? I was, no, you didn't. I was, uh, no, no beard, right? I was, I was a kid, I was just a kid back then. Um, a side note for the audience. He has never had was, longer hair than what he has right now. It's the same I, damn haircut he's had since he basically came out of the womb. Ridiculous. <laughs> it is the same hair. It is the like, exact same hair. And you've never had facial now. hair. I'm convinced at this point um, you can't actually grow facial hair. I, I don't I, know if it's actually possible. My, yeah, it's not possible because my wife would literally shave me in my sleep. Um, (laughs) she hates it. That's why I don't, I used to, I used to have a goatee. Um, that's true. You did. I forgot about that. You did. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. It's, it's not very hard to do that math. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh. And it was you know, fun to put. It was an afternoon to put together, whatever, because I yeah. was a dumb kid. A, a few seconds a whole ago, a few minutes you know, ago, yeah. a while ago, right. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's neat. Um, so speaking of, of libraries, I had, a, I had a pick today. I, there was something I was um, playing around with some stuff, and um, I, I came across this uh, an old library that I had used before, and they've kept it up to date, and uh, it was really good, so I wanted to pass it along. So- um, how many, how many WYSIWYG editors have you had the displeasure of working with over the years? Uh, let's see. We had a, I have used, uh, what was it? Was it Dreamweaver? Dr- oh, um, okay. So you're actually talking like a web was, oh, hold on a second. Hey, phrasing. So what you see is what you get. WYSIWYG. 
That's that's what I'm talking uh, about. Dreamweaver, I have experience with, and then there were, and before that was uh, not before that linearly, but but prior to me using that, uh, I was I used Front Page, Microsoft Front Page, <laughs> oh, man. for a uh, minute. Um, yeah, so, those, so I was actually I think those are the only two. I'm actually talking about WYSIWYG editors that that you embed in an application for like document or content creation or editing. So. Um, like a rich text editor, like a rich on the te- web? yeah, yeah. Oh, Tiny okay. MCE is is one of the FCK more, editor, FCK editor. Well, yeah, CK okay, editor okay. Now. Yeah, those. Well, those I think are, I think those are I think those are usually referred to as rich text. No, they call themselves the WYSIWYGs. Web. They they have reached a they point do? where they are like full. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, okay. some of them have gotten to the point where they they support. They're not quite Google Docs, which is you know yeah. like the mother of all WYSIWYGs, but. Um, yeah, I think I used I used FCK a number of times. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there was one called like Quill or something. Quill was an open source. Uh, free open source I played one. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Not not too much though. No, okay. I try to avoid them. I have tried to avoid them at all costs <laughs> anywhere I have ever come near them. Generally speaking, I have found that. I, I mean, okay, so I, I have a recommendation for one of these editors. I will that you make a good point there though. So I'm going to caveat here. Make darn sure you actually need one of these in your application before you go exposing your users to these things. Um, so your experience with Quill was on a project that you and I had worked on together. And what I ended up doing with it was we needed some basic functionality, like bolding and a little bit of formatting. And so we took this editor. Real simple. And we well, what we did with the editor was we absolutely the available functions and features down to nubs because we only wanted very, very basic functionality so that so that users couldn't shoot themselves in the foot with how they were setting it up. And so um, we ended up turning I think off we limited like it, everything. <laughs> I think we limited it to the subset of formatting that could be rendered by Markdown. Didn't we actually it ultimately was, yeah, it wind was up? really, really tight. It was really, yeah. We, really, we let really them tiny. do anything Markdown could do, and then that's what we stored in the database. The mm-hmm. advantage being that, yeah, okay, you have to re-render it whenever you want to, whenever you want to display it. Uh, but if you change Markdown rendering libraries, if you add capability, if you change the way that you format things, you don't have to go in like as a background process re-render all of the stuff. And you're also not storing markup in the database, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is an anti-pattern. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember playing with those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, it, so we used it, and we we minimized the, the only to the bare essentials, and even then, like we we narrowed it down. So, I, I will say, before you go looking for one of these things, ask yourself if you really need it. I, I think most times, in most situations, you can get away with plain text inputs from the from the user, even if it's multiple inputs that would be you know a single rich format. You know, if you can avoid that, I would I would recommend doing so yeah. just because it's like regex. Yeah, you, know, you like can regex. do a lot with it and you really oughtn't unless you really know use, that you need to. Well, right. Using it is a smell. Like as soon like, as you go like to use writing, regex, why like, am let I me doing just this? back out let me just back out all the way. Like writing code at all. <laughs> Don't do it unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> well, now you're getting super philosophical about solving solving code, solving people problems with code and you, you can't solve people problems with code. You can only solve code problems with code. Anyway. All right. That's total, total sidebar. So, um, so warning given, don't use them unless you have to, if you have to, the best one that I have found as of today, uh, because a lot of these things, because they're very big and complicated, they cost money. Uh, the free ones are okay. Quill is a good example of that. 
if you just need, you know, some real basics and, and get out the door. If you need something serious, though, I recommend one called Redactor. Now, the reason I recommend this is twofold. Um, one is their pricing structure. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the editors, especially the 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 big boys that are um, that have come up through the through the age of the interwebs, Tiny MC is, the, is a perfect example. Tiny MC started as this free little JavaScript library to do rich text editing, and it has mm-hmm. just grown and grown and grown and grown, and it now is pretty much the, you know, it's the big boy in that space because first mover advantage and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it has, it costs 80 bucks a month to use this thing. And then it has uh, quotas on how many times you can load the editor. So for 80 so bucks, wait, so 80, like, is that per developer per project per it? Like it's, it's per, it's per load. So like I could have it across. Here's what I'm saying for 80 bucks a month. I can load the editor in a production environment, you know, 10,000 times. So a user can hit my editors 10,000 mm-hmm. times for 80 bucks a month, which is, that's a small application or it's an internal application, you know, some, some kind of internal thing. If you have a forward-facing public thing, I mean, 10,000 page loads is nothing. I mean, you could hit that in a day, depending on, you know, how popular and how, you know, the context here. Mm. So, like, it gets expensive this in is, a hurry. This is smelly. This is a little smelly. Yeah, right? It's pretty gross. Pretty gross. Um, so, there are a, a couple other competitors that do the same thing. They have a, a, a subscription. It might be monthly. It might be annual. Um, I, I pulled out tiny MC cause they're the big dog and they have the most egregious one of these plans that I just, ugh. um, uh, in contrast, uh, this company, uh, I forget the name of the company. Actually, I'm going to look this up while we're talking. Um, the, uh, the company that makes redactor X, you basically do a one-time fee and you get that version and the updates to that version for life. And then you also get a discount on updates to major revisions from there. So, um, you know, if you buy, uh, so say there, I have redactor one and you pay full price for that. Well, then they have redactor two, which is, you know, overhaul rewritten. Okay. Well, you still have yeah. to buy that, but it's going to be at a discount because you already have the previous one. And it's just a yeah. flat, it's just a flat price. Um, and uh, it's only 400 bucks. So, I mean, even at full price, it's not that bad. And their documentation is really, really good. And it's built so that you can hook into it and do your own customizations and do all the the rich text magical things that you need to do if you really need one of these editors. Again, make sure you need one of these things before you do it. Assuming you do, you can really make it do whatever you need it to do um, because of how it exposes uh, it's internal workings and the internal hooks. You need to know your JavaScript. You got to understand ranges. You got to understand how nodes and blocks work in, in terms of HTML construction, but you know, you can make it do whatever you need it to do, which is really neat. And it's a, it's significantly um, cheaper than the other ones. And it's a really good product. So I had used, I just found out the other day that they were still around. I had them bookmarked. Uh, I had used mm-hmm. the version one 
years and years ago. Uh, and they're up to, they, they have Redactor X, which I don't think actually means 10. I think they went, this is like the fourth major version of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, really good product and from a company called Imperavi. And I think they're based in Finland. Um, looks like a pretty Imperavi. small. I have used their software before. You have. They have another, oh, yeah. uh, they have something called um, uh, Article Editor, which is similar, but uh, more oriented towards WYSIWYG, full WYSIWYG content generation. This would be more like Dreamweaver. Um, and then Revolve app. Did you use that? That's an email templates editor. No. What did I use? They had a, they have books. They have maybe a couple it was, books. Maybe it was re- Redactor. Yeah, it's not article. Maybe it was Redactor. Yeah, I, I just think, I remember, and it doesn't matter. Doesn't and matter I, I think it, it's it might be just a single dude too. Yeah. Um, it's uh, as far as I can tell here, the the company has just one one person listed, so it might just be this one guy, yeah. um, based out of Finland. And it does good work. It's really nice. It's really tight, and I like supporting little guys like this. So if you need a uh, a rich text WYSIWYG editor. Check out the open source stuff first, of course, but I mean, that's going to be lightweight. And uh, if you need anything heavy hitting, I would definitely recommend that you do uh, the redactor before you go wasting your time and money on stuff like Tiny MCE. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. So there's a there's a fresh pick for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was cool. Um Let's see here. What else is going on? Uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm back on the hunt for headphones again. What happened? I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was. Oh using, yeah, you're wearing uh, your Bose again. You're wearing your Bose. You know, I used Quiet Comforts for I don't know ten or twenty years, and I love the hell out of them. Oh, and the then I switched to the AirPods Max, like mm-hmm. I want to say, like a year and a half ago. Right. Um, and you know what? For for an hour. They're great. They are wonderful. It's a wonderful product. It's all the features of the AirPods Pro, but more comfortable and louder, and they're just better. And they're great if you're in the Apple ecosystem. For an hour. Um, They're not comfortable for all day. And I don't know. It's just because I got a bigger head, uh, but they just, they're not as comfortable. Are these buds or are these circumoral? No, these are AirPods Max are are around ear headphones. That's called Uh, circumoral headphones that's the that's the technical yes term. around ear as normal people say it not like <laughs> greek scholar medical people get the hell out of here with this garbage they're around ear headphones because i'm an american citizen in 2022 and i'm my name's not named after a city state outside of athens not to be not to be not to be confused with supra oral headphones which sit on your ears those are the uh the oh slightly god. smaller ones my god after you publish this episode <laughs> i'm going to edit all of this garbage out i'm just going to fill it with charlie brown teacher noises and then <laughs> and then of course last but not least in this one you will appreciate your plebe is uh earbud headphones they they don't have uh, they don't have intro intro or like no they no... don't have intro oh there it is intra oral headphones there you go oh, that's what you need yeah or tra- <laughs> trans no trans wouldn't it would have to be intra Intro. Um, oral. Anyway, point is, they're it's all which just sounds oral. Yeah, uh, oral. Oral. Hello, oral. oral not okay. well, oral. I'm, that would I'm, be I'm from mouth. South Jersey. Shut up. I, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't get Water. me started. So, 
No, it's water when it's fresh. It's water after it sits a while. It's water um, <laughs> and they're jimmies, rainbow jimmies. Jimmies, yeah. So um they're just so I I had to modify them. Uh I had to stretch the the top out because they just they sit just on pressure from the ear cups, not from the top headrest. Okay. Um but that I, I don't squeezes know if it's just your head. Big head or what, but like I had to stretch them out before they were even wearable. And I just realized after a couple of days, I was curious. I just put the old bows back on. They're so much more comfortable uh-huh. for all day wear. Um, I don't. Yeah. But now these, but now these, these are the older ones. So they don't have Bluetooth. Like, so, um, so I'm in the market and I was thinking, I know Bose has like the, they have a newer model of the old style with Bluetooth. They have a newer model, like the 700s or something. Mm-hmm, they have, mm-hmm. um, uh, and there's tons and of brands now at, too. I was Bose. looking at Sennheiser. Sony's got ones that are allegedly competitive, but I don't trust Sony with that. I don't trust Sony. But, um, uh, so I don't Beats. know. I'm, Beats apparently has one too. Beats. Yeah, Beats but they're audio. on ear. That sounds yeah, like I don't it would like just them. be painful in about four minutes flat. I, yeah, I, I don't like the on ears. Yeah, so and there's you, too much noise bleed. You know, I just, yeah. I like a round ear. Uh, yeah, because passive it, cancellation, you know, and passive it's, it's plus comfortable active. all day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I mean, what got you was the, you know, the way that, because there are just like there are different cup sizes and shapes, how they actually maintain their position on your head is different. Some mm-hmm. of them, like your the ones you have a problem with, are compression based and they actually yep. squeeze your head. They squeeze around your ears. They and so you don't actually have your a, brain. So you don't actually have a thing sitting on top of your head. Some people don't like that. And so in that case, yeah. they like that. And you, there are, there are certain brands that will, um, that will actually put that their their formatted so that the compression band doesn't sit over your head. It actually sits behind your head. And so behind, you actually have yeah. these cups just kind of floating over mm-hmm. your ears. If you're running, those can be really nice. Um, yeah. cause they stay a little more stable and then I don't there understand are people that can work out with like, I, cause I, I've seen people work out with like Bose quiet like comforts or board, something yeah. like mm-hmm. how, how do a, how. how do they stay on and B, how is that comfortable? That would be so sweaty and gross. You, yeah, oh. no, it's, I, um, I agree. It's, my only, my only issue with the Bose as it always has been is after I would say 12 to 18 months, you got to get replacement ear cushions because the the Cheap. leatherette or whatever it is just Leather. starts to fray. Yeah. Um, I've tried some of like the aftermarket ones. I have too. Just, I haven't found ones that are as comfortable. Oh, do you, um, do you, um, I actually, it's funny you say this because I'm right now I am wearing my quiet comfort twos and I just in the last couple of months, I'm going to actually open up Amazon right now. I'll see if I can find the order for them. Um, I replaced the, um, I replaced the cups and mm-hmm. um, I'll see if I can find them. Uh, this is the second pair that I have gotten from this vendor. I think oh, I had the, I thought I had the extra pair sitting around here somewhere. Um, here they are. Um, wicked cushions. Wicked cushions. Okay. So WC wicked cushions. No, no fancy snarky spelling. Yeah. Just wicked cushions um, in Amazon. Um, really nice replacements. They have a couple different styles. They've got these pleather ones. They've got a couple different colors and then they have a, they actually have a velvet, uh, a velour replacement. So these, these ones are more like the pleathers type stuff that Bose uses, although they, it is a slightly better material. And then they had a velour mm-hmm. one, which has, it's, it's like a, um, it's a fabric instead of right. a leather feeling. Those yeah. tend to be a little more comfortable and they tend to dampen sound better. 
but they also hold heat, and so your ears yeah. can get hotter with them. So well, it's that's a, a that's a big difference give and take. Uh, with the the bows to the apple. The apple has this like mesh material. The cushions are just better all around. The, oh, it's I'm like sure. this mesh. Yeah. It wicks. It's super breathable, and because the cans themselves are whatever anodized aluminum that they use, they run super cool. Like yeah. they radiate the heat out. They 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 breathe. They're great. And then the cups are replaceable. They just have a magnetic strip around the outside. The quiet comforts, you got to bend the little, you know, it's like eight little clips and it's, it's awkward. It's not hard, but it's just right. once you've, once you've used the, you know, replace the Apple ones, it's. Well, yeah. Replacing spoiled. the Bose ones is a pain in the butt. It's clearly not yeah. made for for customers to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once you figure out how to do it, I've gotten pretty good at them. It's yeah. It's, at it's it. simple and easy enough. It's just once, once you've had snap in yeah. magnetized. Oh, ones, those, those you, are cool. Spoiled. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, so I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they wear out. I, I think boats could do a better job. I mean, given how much you're paying for them, you'd think they, yeah. could, you know, give you good quality on the, on the cups, but, but they're just, they're so much more comfortable because, you know, yeah. if you're eight, 10, 12 hours a day, these the boats, they just disappear. You know, they get a little hotter, uh, a little bit. but they, they just disappear and it's, it's great. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah, so I can recommend. So there you go. That's a that's another recommendation. Get some if you if you've got bows and you need to replace Pick those worn ass wicked cushions. Wicked cushions. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. Making up for lost time here. Yeah, we are we are setting them up and knocking them down. Today. Full, full of them Goodness. today. So um, we actually have a uh, and I, I I unfortunately I I don't have. Um, I owe you a link for it so we can punt this discussion mm -hmm. if you want. But I had from one of our previous conversations, uh, we were going to I'll give you the choice of whether or not to delay talking about this, exactly. but I'm going to start it's talking about this. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, NFTs, pretty much yeah. everybody hates NFTs, Chris, and you mm -hmm. are like, you know, the, the big time NFT guy. And so I have seen. Yeah. At least in my yep. ecosystem, I understand about, it completely. We talked yeah. about gaming as as the as sort of the go to for the NFT technology, and mm -hmm. I I'm not seeing it, man. Like I'm really not seeing it. I know GameStop is pushing on it, which actually is is kind of funny, given that there are the meme stock and all that kind of stuff. I I think there's there's a, there's an interesting overlap there, and I wonder if there's correlation or causation. But regardless of that, um, every thing that i read mm -hmm. both formal articles informal chats reddits things like that the general consensus that i am taking away and i will provide some links that we can throw into the show notes uh is that nfts suck it's a pure money mm -hmm. grab for these companies there's mm -hmm. nothing of value um, yep. it actually devalues in the gaming space it devalues your purchases and that everybody should be better off. Everybody would be better off without them. So, I yeah. Mean, so I think there's, there's, there's two, ooh, what do you do with this? So there are two, there are two paths to this conversation. Um, and one is on, on, on the path where NFTs are the actual consumer Pro, the, the the actual consumer facing the 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 implemented technology as of today that is consumer facing they are they're baseball cards they're beanie babies it's it's garbage right mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. almost everything you said uh 
maybe everything you said is is accurate, right? If you're looking at today's state of the art, uh, if you're looking at what's actually being done with them and how it's being done, um, yeah, like that's correct, mm-hmm. right? The problem is, I think people, and and this is like this is just a technology thing, right? Uh, You've you've got us if if you take the longer view, if you look at the the underlying technology, it is clear that that is the future. It is it is already decided that that will be the future technological bus over which digital assets transit and ownership is maintained. That is it just is. I mean, you 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 look at reality and it just there there's no alternative that does what uh, what NFTs can do now today. Yeah. Why, why would I, why would I go through the hassle of setting up wallets with a custodial or not, uh, buying the NFT stuff when all I can do is trade within a single game on the existing marketplace. There's, there's no value add to me. It's just more complex because now I get this wallet thing to deal with and, and the transactions, are more complicated, right? Because instead of, instead of, uh, you know, now there's these weird looking addresses. I get completely, I get completely where that comes from. It is wrong. Um, I'm not going to say it's wrong. What's happening is there was too much hype around what they can do and what they will do. And that, that was a big mismatch with what they're doing now, and that's why people are backlashing. That's why people are grumpy sauce about it because they're not right now. They're just they're, they're beanie babies. Mm-hmm. Except you can't even you can't even snuggle them at night, right? They're just they're 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 worthless. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of PR stunts of people paying ridiculous money for board apes and all this kind of garbage. But there's no there's no utility to that, right? Yeah. Um, what you will have though. And eventually, I mean, it will be, it, it will wind up being like a monoculture or or something very much like it in order to achieve utility. And I think I think ETH might be the place that that goes. Ethereum might be the place where that goes. A level two, uh, you know, not unlike a, um, <clears throat> not unlike a, an, an LRC uh, loop ring. Uh, but it's it, like if I if I play WoW. All right, and there's some flaming broadsword that I want. Mm-hmm. There's no motivation for me to buy that as an NFT, as opposed to the channels already available, right? The in-game auction house, or, or I don't know if Blizzard has a store I can just buy it from. Whatever the whatever the mechanics are, there's no okay. motivation. There's no rationale, right? But all of a sudden, when the publishers begin using, let's say, and and uh, an Ethereum layer two solution cross liquid like like a loop ring that provides uh cross asset liquidity and trading all of a sudden now when i jump from wow to gran turismo 7 those assets can be moved between right i can trade somebody a wow asset for a gt asset i can if i'm if i'm done with a game and i don't want to play it anymore i can just liquidate all of the stuff i've collected get real value for it and then apply that towards the next game i want it like there are there are real mechanical advantages to this once we've got marketplaces set up that are adopted cross-platform. That's where the value is in a way that you can't do right now unless 
unless it's directly from the publishing house to another publishing house, which is a custom integration, it's gonna work like garbage and you don't have control over anything, right? Now these are my assets, I hold them, they are mine and I can exchange them for either monetary value or things from another game or whatever, that I think that the utility of that will become obvious, especially once it's super easy to get real US dollars in and out. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be kind of clutch. Yeah. So but all you're talking about so far has been virtual goods inside of an existing game. And I I, I don't know. I, I my my feel of the of the ecosystem is that yeah, as I, one as one implementation, yeah, that's one uh, thing okay. they can do. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, I mean, would you would you say it expands out to you know the games themselves? Because yeah, virtual the goods to run the game. Absolutely. Virtual goods have always been kind of a love hate. Why is it hate hate? Why is it thing? Because because on a on an on an open like an a, 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 an actual like an open adopted NFT marketplace, why is a license to run the latest expansion of WoW different than the flaming broadsword? But they're the same. It's I mean, just NFT. Say, right. They're just, they are, they are both digital goods. One is a digital good, you know, that yeah. prerequisite. It's no different than a board ape. Like, it's no that. different than, yep, anything else. Yep. So, so, okay. All right. So fine. So you're acknowledging that. So yeah. do you think, you think Steam actually adopts an NFT purchase structure? Because right now Steam is the, is the go-to. Maybe the Epic store would be the, would be the second one mm -hmm. for, for digital distribution, or yeah. you go to the console side, you can buy with the latest consoles, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, you can go and you can buy games direct from those companies through mm -hmm. web-based interfaces on their consoles. So, I mean, this is a solved problem. Like why, what interest would any of these companies have in adopting this, this additional layer on top of what they're already doing? So, so it winds up being, it winds up kind of being a double-sided market and it's network effect, right? And the network is growing. You can't, you, you, I mean, you, you look at the data, you look at the usage, you look at the wallet counts, you look at the, the, um, the daily volume on these things, the network is growing and, and that effect will pull people in. Why would I, as steam, why would I want to participate in this? Well, um, because I get a piece of the action, right? So when I write, if I'm Steam and I'm minting the NFTs for, you know, X game, I get to write into the contracts that I get a piece of every trade of that asset. Right. Right. Oh. So some super high value, of, you know, extra flaming broadsword, right? Every time that trades between two parties for whatever in return, I get a piece of that in in perpetuity. I can write that into the contract, right? And so when you talk about then interoperating a marketplace that allows interoperability between Steam and Epic, that's going to represent an overall increase in trading volume on both stores. And then both sides will get a piece of those trades. And so as users figure out that they are with NFTs able to actually own the stuff that they're buying from the publishers, there will be incentive, there is incentive to adopt. And then as that grows, the incentive for the marketplaces to leverage a common, you know, I call it a bus, so it's not an exact analogy, but that network effect grows. And so then like everybody wins, mm. right? You actually get true ownership and custodian over your in-game items. You can extract value out of them. Because as a consumer, if I go, if I go and I buy that WoW expansion, whatever it is, and then I sink 
400 bucks into DLC, that money disappears. Yeah, I mean, theoretically you say, oh, I get fun for my money and that's the whole value prop of a game in the first place. And that's fine, I, I understand that. But I can then, it's very difficult for me to get actual you know, US fiat dollars back out of that $400 worth of DLC, right? Mm -hmm. There are barriers, especially that if, let's say I wanna apply that towards Gran Turismo tomorrow, right? Um, and so the idea here is that I get ownership, I have more control, um, and and for the markets, you know, I get to move these things wherever I want them. And then for the marketplaces that, that adopt, they get cut in on all this action. I, like, I, that the marketplaces have not adopted it yet. I think it's being worked on. There are indications that that several of the big publishers are working on it. And I think where they failed is like a couple of them have done it already, but it's only them. They pick a they pick a proprietary system or a new system to work with. They don't use anybody that's already out there, and they just create an NFT marketplace within themselves that doesn't interoperate with anything else. We well, yeah, of course that's not that that's no there's no value added to that whatsoever. Um, it's it's when you have that cross publisher that cross marketplace interoperability using a common substrate so like a like a layer two like loop ring or something like that um, that's where the value really comes in and I think it's only a matter of time yeah but the the network effect and okay. sorry sorry to cut you off there. no it's okay go ahead. and and the current implementations available to users are basically pointless <laughs> so those two things are true at once right i maintain my position on where we will go forward from here mm -hmm. and acknowledge that what we've got now is garbage it's well yes yeah. it's monopoly it doesn't matter it, it doesn't actually add value right the thing the the hang up i've got with this is really around the the network effect because i mean what you're talking about is centralization and I, in a, in a competitive capital market you know you know, big, big players go for that to, to, you know, control monopolies, you know, like, you know, the fed, for example, the fed wasn't built so that, you know, f for banks out of the goodness of their hearts, the big banks got together <laughs> so that they could actually, you know, continue to do their big bank yeah. ways. Like if you look at history, so, you know, these, these companies in any market, we're talking about gaming. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to use this, but you, I mean, you could mm -hmm. expand this mm -hmm. out to anything. I, I, I'm not sure that, I mean, they don't really have a vested interest. Like I don't have a vested interest in making it easier for you as my customer to sell my stuff so that you can go over and buy stuff from my competitor. I have no, I, I genuinely do not yes, have an interest do. in doing that. Yes, you do. Because let's say you sell me that flaming broadsword as an NFT, right? You're, you're, you're blizzard, uh, uh, not Watsy, blizzard, right? You're blizzard. blizzard. You sell me that flaming broadsword. Uh, and then let's say, again, I spend all that money on DLC. Now I'm done with the game. It just rots. It's wasted value for me, right? Okay. If I know I can get some value back out of the DLC, I will buy more of it. Mm. Like as a consumer, I'm like me personally, I will buy more DLC. I will spend more money in game if I know I can get a fraction of that back later on when I'm when I'm when I'm when I want to put the game down, right? Ah, I, I am yeah, not the, the only one. I'm uh, I am not the only one. You can't have a seat. And so now. I'm not sure I'm the other one though. That's the thing. So I'm not, I don't. I, okay. So, so you, so this wouldn't incentivize you to buy more. That's fine. That uh, okay. is totally fine. Okay. Right? But my point stands, why would Blizzard participate in a wider network that was the with question. a yeah, yeah. Epic or yeah. Steam, right? Or anybody. Um, yeah. Because let's say all three of them, if they haven't done it, they've thought about doing it or they're in the process of doing it, right? They've certainly they're, investigated NFTs, for sure. You, you say NFT and 
the VCs go nuts and they just they they don't even bother taking their wallet out of their pants. They just rip their pants off and throw those at you, right? That's the that's the equity, or at least until very recently, that has been the tone of of the private equity markets, right? So so why would Blizzard do this? Why would Blizzard interoperate with a Valve or, or a, with with a Steam or with a with an Epic? It's because even if it wouldn't incentivize you to pay to spend more money, okay, that's fine. But at some point, when you trade any of those items to another marketplace, Blizzard gets a piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you trade that, that flaming broadsword is worth fifty U.S. dollars. They write into their contract for the NFTs that they mint that they get 1% of every transaction from here on out. So you mm-hmm. trade that flaming broadsword for some other item on some other network, and all of a sudden, they get 50 cents. That's why they're incentivized to do it. And the more networks that they interoperate with, the more volume will be traded, and that volume makes them money. It's the long-tail argument, right? Except what you're saying is centralization is bad. This is literally decentralization because the difference is Blizzard doesn't actually own the assets, but that's okay because they're making more money on them. And so is Epic, and so is Steam and Valve, and so on and so forth. And so you don't even have to – there are projects now, uh, Blizzard – and Valve and Epic, they can all build their own marketplace, right? And let's mm. say it's, it, it, let's say they're all building an, an, an Ethereum Layer Two marketplace of their own. Along comes a project like Loopring, and it can provide liquidity across separate exchanges. So all of a sudden, Blizzard doesn't even have to opt into a common standard directly with Valve and Epic. It's a Layer Two solution a third party can come in and provide liquidity and uh, and facilitate transactions across them. And guess what? Blizzard still gets their 1%. Why would you not do that as a business, right? Uh, You could say lack of control, but I'm sorry, theoretical lack of control when there is a real revenue opportunity staring you in the face, your principles go out the window every time in the business world, right? You got to chase the revenue. Yeah, well, I get that. I just don't see the bad... You see an opportunity that I'm not seeing right now because if I want to, if I'm if I'm over in game A, you know that has its own ecosystem. I buy and sell mm-hmm. in game A. I collect my money, yep. and then I want to go to game B. Well, I I yeah. have money. I already have currency. You have that, money. They have that a will store allow set up me for to, USD. They have a store yeah, exactly. set up so I can already and do guess it. What? So. And guess what? This doesn't bother you at all. Let's right. say you're the person. This is not going to incentivize you to trade because you want all the things for each game and you're going to keep them because you're a collector, right? And that's mm-hmm. you. And you never put a game down. You just maybe play it a little less often, right? As you add more to your library. Mm-hmm. This doesn't interfere with your use case. This does mm-hmm. takes nothing away from you whatsoever. No, it, it doesn't. But I'm trying to. It see allows that. you. It allows you to do everything you do now, with no friction, with no added steps, with no confusion. Right. But there are tons of people that want it the other way. There are tons of people like me who would spend more if I could get the money because I'm a filthy casual. I play like one game a year, and that's all I have time or desire to what? do. Right. So you're, you're looking for, I mean, so where you're really ta- thinking is in, is in buying a digital game. So you're actually looking at the recreation of the old physical console aftermarket is really what you're thinking where, um, you it's, buy it's a game. Not a re- it's, 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 uh, it's digital transformation for the used game market. That's exactly right. that's, what it that's is. What, that's what you're really, that's what you're really honing in on. It's not really the items you're using that as an example, which is fine, but what, no, I where think, I think that you're really be a thinking about like, portion. I bought this game and now I'm done with the game and I want to sell it back so that I can recoup some of my costs. That's really what I, you're. 
focused I on. think that I don't have a prediction whether the DLC or the actual game licenses themselves will represent higher volume. I, I don't have a prediction there, but yes, it will be both of those things. And there are other possibilities as well. Um, but yeah. I think those are the primary two and they're the easiest to understand. They're the most clear, but yes. So the DLC, all of a sudden, either I can sell it back to somebody else uh, and it's easy to get my value back out of it, or I can trade the game license itself and get value back out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they would opt into, you know, whether they would really lean into uh, trading on the game licenses that might cannibalize new sales. Right. Okay, you've got a you, yeah. you've got a question there. They may opt or not. The the, the reason that I like the DLC example um, is that there's no incentive to not participate. Right. They mm. actively make more money if they do this. Even if half the population is in your camp, you're still going to buy the same games. You're going to buy the same DLC. You're not going to part with it once you got it. You have a budget. Let's say you spend a hundred bucks a month on gaming. That's what it's not going to change your behavior at all. That's great for the half the market that it will change their behavior. There's a lot of money to be made, um, and it's residual. They don't have to do anything. They don't even have to run the damn network. They don't have to run the exchange. Somebody else's. It's on somebody else's computer, right? I, I, I think. I think. Given what you're saying, I think Steam is the one you're going to want to watch because Steam already has everything that you're talking about. Like they have a they have a secondary market for items for games right. in there. Yeah. They, so they mm-hmm. already have all already of this doing, is already done. Yes. So so my point is you're gonna want to watch Steam because Steam, if there really truly is a market incentive, they have already proven their financial interest in in supporting these secondary markets because they have a massive ecosystem yeah. of auctioning and trading and they get a they cut are, of all what of do you that stuff say? that they, buys and sells. They are at once maybe the Amazon and eBay of yes. digital gaming. Yeah, they. I would it's argue not, that they it's are. Not, I don't think that's unfair to no, say. No, I don't think it is. No, I think Steam is absolutely, yes, I think that's absolutely true. And so my point is, if this opportunity is what you say it is, then that company is going to jump on it immediately. However, if they don't, I would say that that is indicative that, well, that it's not bringing to the table, at least in their opinion, anything to the, it's not bringing to the table anything that would improve their current financial outlook. Because so right the now only, they can buy and tra- trade the items in game and they get a cut every Steam, time. Across all games. And all they of make a just cut US every dollars, time Which sells. they already do. Yeah. Right. No, so, all of that is true within yeah. within a marketplace. Right. right? And they, they own my, that marketplace. My, exactly. And they right. have control over it. They still right. make all the same money they would at, right. There are two differences here, though. They have to maintain and run all that infrastructure. Okay, so there's that's a cost, cost associated. Okay, that's a cost and a business risk that they may be able to shed. Okay, so uh, you've got some. Now risk. they may. Now they may still choose. I'm not saying that just because somebody uh, somebody goes all in on layer two, risk is no reason to say yes or no to anything. It's just an input. Well, it's it's an input. My point is, even if they even if they went whole hog on NFTs, they may not discontinue what they're doing now mm-hmm. right it that the they may not want to shave that cost if they think it's going to hurt the revenue right that that it's not one or the other two things can be true at once so my yes. point is my con- and my my whole thesis here with all of this with all of this bullishness on on mar- the marketplaces for nfts Super is bull. that overall volume increases when steam 
allows integration with Blizzard, allows integration with Epic or the PlayStation whomever. Store or the Xbox Network or, or whoever else, right? Right, or games, whoever it is, right? Yeah. Overall volume goes up, that favors long tail uh, revenue for them. That's that's the essence of the argument there. Okay. Um, I guess we'll- And I, again- I guess we'll like see. Like it's pipes, pipes they don't have to, like it's all there. Why, to your point though, why Steam wouldn't do that? That's not necessarily an indicator that there's no benefit to them because they are both the Amazon and the eBay of digital gaming right now. They have other, there are other forces at play. There are other reasons why they may not like just just from a they may not be incentivized to participate and democratize uh, 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 distribute the market at all because they control whatever percent of it all right my point is they may not be the best example gotcha uh, anyway. anyway so what do you all think is chris completely full of crap I can't decide. My bonkersville on this one. I, I'm I'm honestly not sure. Time will obviously tell, but you know, this is a this, this is a long bet. So we'd love to hear what you have to say. Let us know what you think. Feedback at refactor.work. We'd love to uh, share your comments, uh, both written and audio. So feel free to record us and send something. Uh, you can check out the show. The show notes uh, at refactor.work. That same URL. And uh, you can find Chris and his ramblings over at Tonkinson.com. You can find mine at Hot Coals, K-O-E-H-L-S dot com. And this has been episode 79 of the Refactor podcast recorded on September 6, 2022. We'll see what happens, buddy. Time will make fools of us all. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> see ya.